five. We have about 15 online. We are live. So apparently, guys, we are live. So for those of you with us in our live studio audience, that is like such a weird thing to say, but... <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. We don't even have one of those guys off to the side holding up the applause cards like they do on TV. This is just us. This is just real. Uh, but hey, those of you that are here, thank you for coming on a Monday evening. Really appreciate the chance to connect as a family. For those who are currently logged on or are logging on sooner in the process of logging on to watch this on live stream, thank you for being here. And if you happen to be watching this recorded later, thank you for taking the time to watch it. This is a it's what we're just calling a family update because we feel like a ton is going on in the life of our church right now, and this is an important summer. We just really want the whole church to be as much a part of it as possible, and we can't get it all into like little three-minute announcement slots on Sunday morning, so... We thought we just needed another meeting here to connect, um, kind of pull back the curtains a little bit uh, and let you sort of know what's been going on uh, in the church. Some of this, hopefully not all of this will be new. Some of this, some of you probably know a little bit. Maybe you know a lot, depending on who you've talked to. We just want to kind of help everybody catch up to speed so that the process that we're in right now as a church as we go through this summer and into this fall is an us process and that we're all connecting with it together. So real quick, here's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, we do want to be conscious of time. We're starting right away at six o'clock and I know at seven o'clock the last vertical marriage class, uh, which has been meeting, is going to meet again tonight. So if any of you are involved in the vertical marriage class, we're going to try to go here till about maybe 7 to 7.15, just depending on how much Q&A that we do. So if we're getting right up to 7 o'clock and you need to just head out to the vertical marriage class, please do that. Um, that class has been incredible. I'm encouraged by it and want that to finish strong. So if you need to just get up at 6.55 and take off, that's totally fine. We're going to go till no later than 7.15. And in that time, we've got two things we really want to talk about and, and share on and we'll have some opportunity to interact on. Uh, the first thing is some, some transition that's taken place, obviously, in our youth ministry staff and the youth ministry, so we want to talk about immediate future plans and kind of where we're headed uh, a little bit in general, and then we'll pause at that point and have some room for some Q&A. Those of you that are here in the room, there's a couple microphones up here. It's actually helpful if you can come up and speak into them. Uh, we did this in our last congregational meeting where there's, yeah, there's only like maybe 30 or 40 people in the room, so that seems a little formal for a smaller group, but it actually really helps because it helps everybody in the live stream kind of hear voices and it helps pick it up for the recording as well. So if you've got questions, we'd ask you to just come on up to either microphone and we'll be able to ask them as well. If you are on the live stream, you can use the chat feature and our uh, faithful coordinator, Sandy, is over here. So she is going to be kind of monitoring that chat. And if you've got a question or a comment that you'd like us to address, you can type it in the chat and she'll do her best to, to put that out here through the mic for all of us and we'll try to address that together. Uh, so that's what we're going to spend the first... Um, hopefully, Lord willing, about third of our time, we'd like to spend the bulk of our time just talking about our vision for discipling and the process that our ministry staff and our elders have been going through for coming up on about six months now. And uh, we've kind of pulled back the curtains a couple of times on Sunday mornings and in our last congregational meeting, and we want to do that again tonight. We want you to know exactly where we're at in that because the whole goal is that this doesn't feel like leaders and congregation members. Uh, we don't want members of our church kind of just sitting and waiting to see what's going to come. We want this to be an active conversation. So on the one hand, if you're hoping that I'm going to have a lot of really cool, slick new programs to announce that we've concocted tonight, 
you'll be disappointed, uh, but that's actually a good thing because we're in the process of really doing a deep dive. We'll talk more about this a little bit later tonight and uh, talking with one another, looking at scripture and, and praying together and seeing where the Lord wants us to go. And we want everybody who's a part of our church to be a part of that conversation. So that's where we're going tonight. We'll kind of pull back the curtains on some of that process. At that point, I'll have a couple of other people uh, come up here and join me. Jim and Beth uh, will join Sandy and I. And once again, we'll, we'll talk about some things and then we'll have some time for questions, comments, Q&A. Um, and that's what we're doing. Sound good? <laughs> I'm trying to talk like an auctioneer in this first part so that we can just get right into it. Uh, so let me pray, and we will do that. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for the, the women and the men who are here tonight uh, in person. Thank you for those that are tuning in online. Thank you also for those who, for whatever reasons, weren't able to make it on a Monday Night Live, but who are going to take the time to uh, watch the recording of this, to be invested and involved in the church, because we realize this is your church. And we are your people, and we want to see your best for it. So God, I pray that you would guide our conversation tonight uh, as we together lock arms, seek you, and move forward together as a church. Uh, thank you for the freedoms you've given us from some of the restrictions lately. Thank you for the beautiful summer weather. I pray, God, that you would clarify our vision and that you would draw us together as a church family. Make tonight just even a part of that, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let me just dive right in. And for this first part, I'm going to do some kind of rapid-fire updating and uh, what I want to do is talk about some of the transition going on in our youth ministry and the youth ministry staff and then we'll have some time to interact on that as well. So before I actually talk about what's happening with the refuge, let me say that uh, I've had an opportunity to speak to a number of different people uh, about uh, Jordan's transition off of our youth staff and for uh, a lot of folks that felt, this may or may not be you, but that decision felt like it was kind of maybe a little out of the blue or just felt really sudden or it felt really fast. And so I've talked to a number of people that are like, okay, that's a, that, I understand that, that's great, and we'll miss them. And I've talked to some others who are kind of like, whoa, 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 what just, what just happened? It seemed like it happened really fast. And so I was able to share a few things with some individuals that they found helpful. So whether or not that's a question of yours, let me just share a few things with you as well. Uh, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that the time between when we made the public announcement to the congregation and Jordan's last day on staff, which was June 30th, it was just a few days ago, was a brief time. It was only like two weeks. And so I get that that happened really fast. And um, that's something I feel bad about. If I could have changed that, I would have. It was nobody's design. It's just kind of the way things worked out. Um, so if, if you were kind of felt... Uh, left kind of feeling like, whoa, what happened? That was really quick. What's going on? We totally understand that. I do want to encourage you that the change wasn't actually as sudden as it may have seemed. Uh, Jordan and I have been in conversations, honestly, for years because one thing that happens when you're not only a member of a church, but you are giving yourself vocationally to ministry staff leadership uh, it's a really normal thing to really think in terms of seasons. Sandy and I were just talking about that earlier tonight. You know, where does the Lord have me pouring my uh, time and energy, not just as a church member, but as a vocational staff leader? And we're constantly seeking the Lord on like, is, is this where I'm supposed to be? And is this where I need to be next? Uh, Jordan and I were having conversations years ago when he was new to our staff. Uh, and we had a very open relationship with one another where I'd said to him, you know, if you ever feel like the Lord is stirring you to move on from harvest, and if I'm still here to talk to you, like, I would love to know about that. You know, don't feel like that's anything you need to keep from me because I get the fact that God can move us around. And he said, yeah, I will. And that was many, many years ago. And um, 
several weeks ago, actually probably a couple of months ago now, he came and talked to me about this opportunity, which turned out to be the one that he's just moved to. At the time, it was still very up in the air. Um, not a whole lot of people knew about it appropriately. He was just kind of exploring, hey, is, is this a time when God wants me to move from one church staff to another, like he moved here seven years ago? And it was, it was really good to just engage with him on that process. So he and I had multiple long conversations about the opportunity and about where he was at. It gave us an opportunity to say, well, hey, if you are going to be leaving our staff sometime soon, which was not a sure thing at that point, like how do we set ministry up so that it doesn't just, you know, crater when you walk away? And he's like, yeah, you know. So we were able to do a lot of really good uh, conversing with each other personally uh, and in terms of ministry planning. I was also, uh, much later in the process, in contact with Justin, who's the lead pastor of Table Community Church, where Jordan has now moved over to join their staff. I've known Justin for years. He's a fellow pastor here in Hillsboro. Uh, he and I went out to lunch when he uh, came out here to Hillsboro for the very first time many, many years ago to start what is now Table Community Church. And we've known each other and loved each other and been a part of a network of pastors here in Hillsboro ever since for all those years. So it was very natural for him to call me actually before they even made any kind of a formal job offer to Jordan. And he said, hey, let's just talk. I want to talk with you about this because we love each other. And our heart for both of us is that we want to see God's kingdom win and we want to do things that are good for both churches. Um, because honestly, we're in this whole thing together. And when you, when you know people um, and the 15 years that I've been here, God's blessed me to be able to connect with so many pastors here in the Beaverton Hillsboro area you become friends and you really get the sense that we are all in this together. We are all centered in the gospel. Not all of our churches look and feel exactly the same, but our heart for Jesus is the same. And so we pray for each other, we support each other. That was a wonderful context for the uh, couple of lengthy conversations I had with Justin about it. And I uh, began to see that you know, the work of Christ through both churches, through myself, through Jordan, I could see, like, I could see how this could be a win uh, for the kingdom of God. Like, I get it. Um, I get it. And so when uh, they finally decided to offer Jordan that position and he accepted it, that was through a lot of conversation. That was through a lot of prayer. And I'll admit, I feel kind of bad. Like, by the time we sent out a public announcement to our congregation um, and, and many people in our church were just hearing about this for the first time, and I had had weeks and weeks and weeks of <laughs> conversations and processing, and my heart was already in a good place. I felt the loss of Jordan. I still do. Uh, he's been a good ministry partner for seven years in our church. Um, so that's still real for me, but I was at a place where I had processed a whole lot more, uh, and others had a much shorter window of time to kind of process between that and his departure. But again, nobody, nobody designed it that way. Nobody intended it that way. That's just how the timing uh, worked out. And it left me in a place of saying, you know, seven years ago, we had no idea who Jordan Young was. Nobody at this church even knew that name. And we were praying because we had a vacant associate pastor position that was going to oversee our youth ministry and some other things. We were praying for God to bring the right person. And it turns out he brought Jordan. And looking back, it's always easier to see what God is doing in retrospect than it is at the time. Looking back, I'd say, man, for the season we were in, Jordan was a great addition to who we were and did a lot of great work here. And I think God, well, he told me flat out um, numerous very specific examples of how his time here helped him grow and become more effective as a pastor. And I certainly think he helped us grow, become more effective as a church. So I'm very, very grateful for that. And um, now we're in a new season and maybe Maybe God knows, it certainly wasn't on my radar screen, you know, a year ago or, or nine months ago, 
but maybe God knows, you know, more than we do, um, who and what is needed to make the most of this current opportunity we have as a church. And I think that's the place um, that we find ourselves. We're going to talk about that opportunity more a little bit later tonight, so I don't want to jump ahead to that just yet. Uh, but I think that's the place that we find ourselves in, is really seeking the Lord for that. Um, when I look at it in terms of only my local church and my staff, um, it feels like a big loss, because uh, Jordan did a lot of great stuff, and you, know, you just feel that absence. And that loss is real. Uh, that loss is real. Uh, we need to feel it. We need to grieve it appropriately. We need to connect about it. At the same time, when I pull back and I see the work of God in our city and in our area, I can see that maybe God is moving the pieces on his board around, not just with Jordan, but certainly in this situation, um, to help both churches grow in new ways and maybe others as well. Uh, That's kind of where my heart is at. That's where I hope uh, our hearts can be as well. Um, Before we interact on that, I really want to spend some time, though, talking about the refuge, uh, our student ministry because uh, student ministry, and actually children's ministry for that matter, but but junior and senior high school ministry has always been a major emphasis of who we are at Harvest Community Church. That was true before I arrived. It's been true in the 15 years since I've been here. Um, And from my perspective and the perspective of our elder team, that's as true now as it ever has been. None of that has changed. We really think it's important that that students, as well as their, their parents, Uh, but especially students have a place to come and connect with one another and connect with Jesus, find out who God is. And they're probably not going to find that out anywhere but a local church that is based in Scripture, right? I mean, with all the different messages and all the different worldviews that are out there today, uh, especially it's so defining, so critical a season of life as the teen years are through junior and senior high. We just think it's essential that, that our church, as best we can, is a place where students can come together, find community with one another, and understand that they're part of something bigger called a church, and most importantly of all, really get a sense of who God is. Um, so I want to say two things, a brief look at the summer and then a look ahead. First of all, a brief look at the summer. Our, the summer refuge calendar is a full go, which is awesome. That's one of the things Jordan and I had a chance to work with, uh, and he was able to do a lot of planning for these last several weeks, along with not just Jordan, but we have a number of uh, youth leaders uh, who are not on our paid staff team, but they work hard, they invest hard, they have spent time connecting with students and helping run um, the program. Lori's here tonight, Linnea's here tonight. We've had numbers of people invest in students, and so they're a key part of this. They were going to be already And that team has come together to really connect with and run uh, all the youth events that we were planning. So the refuge calendars that are on the church website at harvestcc.org and ones that have been available by paper on uh, our Welcome Center, like all those activities are happening. We have people in place to run them and organize them. And we're going to continue to be a place this summer where students can gather, have some fun, connect with one another, hear about the Lord. That's our heart. I'm super excited that the anchor event for the summer is water ski camp, and that too is a go, which is huge. That's absolutely huge because that's a much bigger people investment to make that happen. And this is a year that we're able to go back to Pine Hollow Reservoir and uh, Camp Morrow, where we had been for several years. It was great. We weren't able to go there for a few years, and water ski camp moved every year, and there were pros and cons of every place that we went to do it. Uh, But we're getting to go back to Camp Morrow this year, which is incredible. And we have seen not only some of the existing leaders that we've had who are already planning to be involved, but numerous other people in our church who maybe weren't necessarily involved in the refuge, you know, three or four months ago, step up to say, I want to help make water ski camp happen. And when I have seen the way our church has rallied around that week for these students, 
Um, <laughs> it's really hard to put into words what that does for my heart. Um, I think of people like um, some of our usual suspects, uh, Isaiah Shipman and Tim Hoth and Linnea Doyle, um, Russ and Debbie Chris, um, put so much into the refuge over this past year. They're still going to be a key part of that water ski camp. But we've also seen people like Chris Marquette and, and Natalie and Anthony Barino step up, who just got a new boat. And I said, God has a plan for your life. And they said, awesome. And your boat, and it's coming too. I think, we, I think we'll actually have four ski boats was the last I heard. Is that right, Linnea? Um, I was afraid we might be down to two or three. There's like four boats, which is enough to keep kids on the water all the time, um, which is really awesome. We've had additional ski camp crew like Mike Janicki stepping up, uh, Mary Jo Miller, Karen Lintz, Rolly Ayers, Shalkar Wilkins, Grace Clement. I'm probably forgetting somebody, but when I've seen all of these people step up and say, we're going to help in the kitchen, we'll provide the food, we're going to help be the camp nurse, we're going to drive boats, we're going to do the teaching, we're going to be there to just connect with students and make sure that this is a fun, safe place for students to get away for the week, enjoy the water, enjoy skiing, enjoy making new friends, and enjoy hearing about who God is. Um, it makes me excited because there are people that aren't, aren't just sort of waiting for a professional to like come up with a magic plan. There are people that are saying, you know, we are an us. We're a church. And, and how can our church have a ministry to students? I want to be part of that. A little bit scary for some because it's like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to do more? And I keep telling them, probably, but you're ready. <laughs> you're ready because you've been trained, you've done it before, and because God's got his hand on you and because you're not going to be alone in it. There's a huge group of leaders. So to all the people I just mentioned, and anybody I may have forgotten, please forgive me. Man, thank you for being the church um, and just making the summer a place for our students to connect. We really love and appreciate you guys. Um, last thing I want to say about the refuge, and then we can stop and, and have some, some Q&A time if we need it. Um, what about beyond the summer? What's going to happen? Well, I'm currently meeting with a group of many of those same leaders to really seek the Lord and figure that out right now. Um, we've already met at least once. Well, I've had lots of individual conversations. We've met once as a group. And what I was telling them is like, I don't want to rush to say like, this is the grand new plan for the fall. We need to see who God is bringing to the table uh, while we are waiting for the next person, which is the last thing I'll talk about in a second, to say, how do we not just put ministry on hold, but how do we continue to provide a place, especially on Wednesday nights, starting in September, where students can come and gather, connect with each other, and connect with the Lord. And it's been exciting to see some people who have been involved in the refuge recently and some others who may have done it in the past but not been involved recently start to come around the table and brainstorm who else could be part of this team. That's one of the things we're, we're praying about right now. It's one of the things I want all of you as our congregation to know about for at least two reasons. One, I want you to join us in prayer so that we would not be a church that is so dependent on professionals that if the, the staff person isn't there, we just can't do ministry. It's like, that's not who we are. That's not who we want to be. So would you pray with us that we can have a viable and, and effective ministry to students starting in September? And then also to consider whether that may be something God is calling you to play a part in. Even if it scares you a little bit, um, it's not nearly as scary as you, think, you might think it is. And if you think it is, you can talk to Linnea and she'll tell you they really don't bite. They're really nice kids. Um, and they love when adults, young adults, older adults come around and say, I just want to be available for you. You matter. You matter to God. And let's just come together and deal with all your teenage shenanigans and love Jesus together. So we're putting those plans together right now, and we're going to continue to see how that unfolds over uh, the course of the, the summer. Obviously, we will have some kind of a definitive plan before September kicks off, and we'll communicate that uh, as it comes together. 
But one final question I know has come up for a lot of people is, well, what's next on our staff? <laughs> we now have a vacant staff position. What are we doing about it? And the answer to that is we're looking for our next staff person. Um, our commitment as elders is whenever the ball is in our court, we want to move the process forward as fast as possible. Uh, we don't have full control over exactly how long a process like this takes, but we control a lot of it, and we're already moving. So we've already clarified that we are indeed looking for another associate pastor uh, to oversee our youth ministry and do some other things based on the needs of the church as well as his gifting, much like the position has functioned here for the past several years. Uh, we've already started the process of, I hope to see us this summer, put together a search team. Um, our search process is pretty well defined, so we just need to identify that team, which includes, you know, people from like staff and elders, but also includes a lot of our congregation members. So we need to go find some folks uh, who are willing to give some of their heart and their energy to this over the next few months, helping us seek the Lord's next paid staff pastoral leader here at the church. Once that team comes together, like I said, the process is pretty well developed. We just need to get them up to speed, start getting the word out uh, formally. And I would hope, this is, this is my um, possible but ambitious desire, um, would hope that by the time the fall rolls around or into September, we're already starting to talk to prospects. We're starting to potentially interview people. Uh, we will just kind of see how that goes. We'd love to move that process forward. Uh, as quickly as we can. I've already had some informal networking I've done with pastors I know in the area. Uh, I've already had conversations with two, I guess if I was a cop at this point, I would just call them persons of interest, okay? <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I see enough about you um, that I'd like to talk to you. And they're like, okay, I don't know much about your church, but yeah, let's talk. And so we've had preliminary conversations with a couple of guys um, who come very highly recommended from sources I trust. Um, so I'm just excited to see possibilities that the Lord may have for us. So that's where that process is at. Uh, the elders are working hard to get that team put together and get the process moving. And uh, Lord willing, by the time we hit the fall, we will be well into the process of seeking who else is going to join our team. Whew. All right, I tried to do that like an auctioneer because I wanted to leave some time too. Are there any questions or comments, if you're online or here in the room, that you have about any of those items that I touched on. We'd love to create some space just to talk um, and have honest conversation together. So let's take a few minutes to do that. We're going to kind of give priority to those of you that showed up in person. So it's always weird to break the ice and be the first person to get up and walk to a microphone, but it's really not that bad. So if you want to get up and ask a question, uh, that would be great. Uh, if not, we can take anything that people have been typing in online as well. So, okay. So I'm just going to wait and I'm totally comfortable with the awkward silence for a minute or two. And if it's still awkward silent in a minute or two, we'll move on, which is great. Kathy, were you shifting in place or considering getting up? Okay. <laughs> That's that weird one when you're like in class and the professor's like, any questions? And you're like trying to just, you know, brush your hair back and they're like, yeah, is that a question? Right. I'm just having a come to Jesus moment. No, I don't actually want to talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that a question back there, Sue? Okay, and you're like way, way, way back here. Could you come up here? Yeah, yeah, so the first question is, do I actually have to come up to the microphone to ask a question? If you can grab the microphone and bring it back to her, that would be fine. Thank you so much, Deneen. <laughs> it just helps for people to hear and for it to pick up. But you can do it from back there. That's totally fine. Thank you, Sue. I was just going to ask. Um... Yeah, it's on. Okay. So the new staff person that will be that will be coming, is that person going to be primarily um, a staff for, for the youth, not just an associate like 
for other things? I mean, is the youth going to be the main? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we envision the position at this point functioning much as it has for these last several years, which basically means this. Whenever we hire a pastoral staff person, we're looking for a pastor first, which is important um, in the world of actually working in churches. Um, so some of you are probably aware of this. If you're not, let me just quickly explain what I mean by that. When you go out looking to hire people for churches, what you end up talking to in terms of people that apply for jobs is a lot of um, what I would call program specialists, but not pastors. Right, so they, they want to come play guitar, but they don't want to pastor people. They just want to lead your music, right? They want to come run youth games, but they don't really want to pastor people, you know, those, those types of things. And so we're always looking for a pastor first, by which we mean somebody that has a calling to ministry, somebody that has a heart for discipleship, and somebody whose first and foremost goal is, I want to help lead a church to be what Christ has called a church to be, no matter who I'm talking to or what I'm doing. Because all of our pastoral staff share in discipling, they share in uh, doing weddings and funerals, they share in preaching if they've got those kinds of gifts, those types of things. Um, and Jordan did all of that for us. So that's the first thing we look for. And then the next thing you look for is now what areas of oversight are they going to have and what's their background and skill there. And the main area of oversight for this individual will be student ministry. Um, just like Jordan's been doing. So that will be the lion's share of their actual program focus, and that's what we're looking for, somebody that has a vision and a passion to develop ministry to students. Um, okay. We're a church of a size where um, we can't really afford to hire full-time specialists in too many areas, so we all generalize a little bit. So Jordan was helping out, for example, with leadership in our missions ministry. Um, he was also helping out at different times with leadership in our community life groups and so on while he was running the refuge. And so we would envision that staff person, um, just like I do, just like Bruce does as well, also helping share in some other area of oversight based on the needs of the church and their gifting. Youth ministry is the primary program focus. Okay, and I guess... the question? Yes. Okay. I guess the reason I asked that is because a long time ago, we've been here forever. <laughs> when we first came, we came because my son um, wasn't, I mean, connecting where we were at before. And there were people that were going to school um, in his school that were here. And the youth group was great. I don't know what it's like now because I don't have any kids that are in the youth group. But I just feel like if we want our church to grow, we need young families. We need families that are going to bring their kids and feel excited about it. And maybe they do. I, I know with COVID, a lot has changed. And so we've lost people or we don't know who's really here and who isn't. But I really hope that that is the main emphasis, not all the other ministries, because I feel like we'll lose people if we don't have that. Yeah. That's just yeah. my two cents. Yep. No, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, totally agree. Ministry is really vital, um, not only for the growth of a church, but for the growth of people. Um, that's a critical time of life for people to be processing uh, the gospel. So, yeah. Thank you, Sue. Questions? Other questions? Comments? Anything from the live chat? Not yet. Okay. Okay. Give one more round of awkward silence before we move on. I just want to move on too quickly. Okay, here we go, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> the threat of moving on finally gets him out of the chair. Yeah, thank you, sir. Okay, uh, so we talked about how Jordan was doing other things, too. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just going to put this out there. Are there any, like, major gaps or other mm, places that he was filling in? I'm just Great curious. question. Yeah, what are some of the possible other things? Yeah, great question. Um, uh, when we talked about this in our elder meeting uh, last night. Uh, mm, sorry. Let me answer that at <laughs> two levels. <laughs> 
Uh, one is the best answer to that is going to come out of this evaluation process that we're currently in, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in just a few minutes. So some of what might help hone us in there is if we get greater clarity moving into the fall about specific areas that we really want to shore up and we happen to find somebody by God's grace who has some specific passion skills in that area, that suddenly becomes a likely candidate. So it's not just kind of a random, we'll throw a dart at the wall and see what happens. Uh, we're trying to be very intentional about why we do what we do and what ministry areas we're resourcing based on how does that really help us make disciples. More on that in just a minute. Um, so the other thing that I will say a little bit more specifically is uh, when we talked, I think I said last night, it was last week, um, but in our elder meeting last week, uh, we can immediately identify um, four or five areas that um, we know we have leadership needs in. There's already people doing ministry. It's not like ministry isn't happening, but we could definitely see the potential at least. Uh, that would be things like our continued work on our missions team, local and global outreach um, which we now have a really strong team of members that are doing some things there. That's exciting. Um, how can we continue to build on that uh, locally as well as thinking about our global partnerships? Secondly uh, would be, but let me see if I can do these off the top of my head, um, the area of organizational communications, uh, which right now is officially part of the job description that Bruce was hired for. And so we continue to move forward on things like looking at our website, looking at a church app, looking at the way we do announcements, looking at the way these meetings are going, those kinds of things. So the whole issue of communicating as, a, as an organization um, is still on the table. A third area is member care, um, congregational care. And is there an opportunity for us to be better organized at identifying needs within our body and mobilizing people in the church to meet them? And we have some people in our church, including our latest associate pastor, who are very gifted in that area. Not that I'm putting you on the spot. Um, so we're kind of considering how all of that potentially looks. Uh, a fourth area would be... Um, Oh, it's always bad when I try to do this off the top of my head, and it was last week's meeting. <laughs> oh, our community life groups. Um, we've got a phenomenal team. Mike uh, Quinn has recently joined that team, along with Daryl and Ginger Hollis. They're revisioning. We're doing some really good work with community life groups based on a discipling model. I'm excited about that getting people connected with one another, whether it's small groups or in other ways in real discipling relationships is just a huge, huge thing. So that's a possible area. And... I can't remember off the top of my head what the fifth thing is. So um, those are some examples of the kinds of things that we would say like, hey, if somebody has an opportunity to grab one of these teams and develop them and build them and keep directing them and keep envisioning them, um, not, and maybe this goes back a little bit um, to, to Sue's earlier comment, we don't envision this being something that takes like 20 or 30 hours a week to run it all. Um, Actually, the way that Jordan's run our missions team is a great example. Developing leaders, helping continue to vision them, equipping people in our church to do the work of ministry rather than hiring somebody to make sure that all that kind of is done. Um, but those are some of the examples of, of areas that, might, um, that we see a need for opportun an opportunity to grow in. Did I miss anything? Any other staff people, elders? If I miss something important, you can just yell at me. Okay. I'm used to preaching from notes, so when I answer questions extemporaneously, I'm always afraid of what I didn't say and what I forget to say. And if I omitted something, it's not by design. So, <laughs> Good question, Mike. Any last comments, questions on refuge, transition, anything like that? Cool. Uh, please, I know this sounds cliche, please be in prayer um, regarding our summer, regarding the students that will be there. Um, do we have, I don't know, Lene, do you know about sign-ups for ski camp? You may not know that. 
Yes, yeah, she's, she's saying how you can do it, and I'm sorry, my question wasn't clear, but I'm glad you said that. If you have any students, uh, certainly in your own household or others who, that you know of, whether they're part of Harvest's kind of uh, umbrella or not, maybe friends of your own kids or whatever, they can register for Water Ski Camp. There is a link on the church website, harvestcc.org. They can get signed up right there. Um, I know there was a lot of uh, talk from a lot of students intending to sign up. Some have started. I did not check. I was not in the office today, so I didn't check on what the current numbers are. But students are beginning to register. I think we're going to have a good turnout. Um, and so please be in prayer for that water ski camp in particular and the summer in general. Um, really important time. So, cool. Okay, let me shift gears right now. And I actually want to ask at this point, Jim and Beth, if you guys would come join Sandy and I up here as well. We've got a couple seats and a couple microphones behind me somewhere here for you. Let's see if I can pull this one around me without ripping the cord out and making Arnold mad at me. Yep, there we go. I did it. All right, there we go. <laughs> All right, um, we want to talk a little bit about this discipling vision. We have, have been talking about it as much as we can. Uh, we're talking about it in the, our series through the book of Acts. We're, we're mentioning it in announcements and sermon applications wherever uh, we can. We talked about it a lot in our last congregational meeting, but that was a month or two ago, and a good chunk has happened since then. So we've been involved in a process of uh, really seeking the Lord on how do we come out of the whole way that the pandemic sort of shut church programs down everywhere. And now that a lot of those restrictions are being lifted and we can look at this fall to be much more normal in terms of the possibilities of ministry than we were at, for example, last fall, um, we don't want to just go back and be the same church we were necessarily, although some of what we were is great, we want to preserve that, but this is an opportunity we've recognized is a, a real key time for a fresh perspective on what are we doing as a church and how can we do it much more effectively. So I would like to lead us into this by just kind of telling sort of the story of where we've been as a church leadership team from last fall up till now. And then I want to invite uh, my fellow staff members and Jim, who's one of our elders here, to maybe kind of help me tell the story of the process that we're going through. But let me just begin it by taking a couple minutes and saying that uh, in 2019 um, BC, that's before COVID, for anybody who's <laughs> keeping score at home. <laughs> Sorry, thank you. <clears throat> I had to, had to. Um, uh, we were in the process of doing uh, a periodic church health assessment. Um, it's good for churches to do periodically anyway. And what was driving a lot of that for us is we, we looked around and we said, there's a lot of great people here. There's a lot of good things happening in ministry. And at the same time, we didn't feel like we were seeing the kind of sustained um, disciple-making uh, ministry that we thought we should probably be seeing. And so we thought, okay, well, we, we don't have major, like, conflicts on our staff and elder board. Nobody's like embezzling church funds. You know, there's no obvious big sin problems or whatever. So some of the big, you know, no-nos for churches that blow churches up are like, well, that's not happening. So Lord, how can we focus? Like what's, what's going on here? And, and throughout 2019, we did a lot of uh, evaluation. Uh, it really focused us, those of you that were here at the time, which I guess probably most of you remember, we were talking a lot about evangelism in particular, as well as empowering leaders um, and, and how we need to do a better job of helping many of you be equipped to actually lead ministry and do those things. So we got thinking about those things, uh, started doing some things to improve in those areas. Uh, I think those are absolutely the right things to focus on. For me personally, I still felt like, what, what do I need to see, God, that I haven't seen yet? Um, 
And that was just kind of in the background the whole time. Well, we were moving on some of those things uh, together, and then COVID hit, <laughs> right? So now we're in early 2020, and that, of course, you don't need me to tell you that whole story. We all know that story. It just kind of brought everything to a halt, kind of blew everything up. And while that was an incredibly... Um, disruptive process. I think it also, there was a silver lining in the cloud, I think for many of us personally and certainly for us as a church, in that, you know, when, when life as you know it sort of either grinds to a halt or, or slows way, way, way down and you're not really sure when this is going to end, it really makes you start thinking, so why are we doing what we're doing? Um, I, I'm frustrated, but do I just want to go back to the way things were? Uh, so throughout the first half of last year, I kept saying things over and over again on Sunday mornings like, our environment has changed, but our mission has not. Anybody get sick of hearing me say that? Never mind. Don't raise your hands. Um, I said that a lot. I was thinking that a lot. Our environment has changed, church, but our mission hasn't, so let's be focused on the mission. Which begs a really important question, doesn't it? What's the mission? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I found myself looking in the mirror saying, I think I know what the mission is, but how fuzzy is it in my own head? And if it's kind of fuzzy in my own head or I'm sort of aware of it, but it's off to the side because I'm thinking about doing a bunch of other really good things, but that's not the mission, and I'm the guy that's up there preaching, you know, how could, and I think this was part of what the Lord started to show me personally, I just speak for myself, that whole like, what else do I need to see here? Um, as the year went on through last summer and heading into last fall, uh, I really felt the Lord saying to me, what are you guys all about? What are you, me, the guy in the mirror, what are you all about? And as you eventually, the pandemic will end at some point, we didn't know when back then, um, are you just going to go back and be the same church or is this an opportunity to be in dry dock, scrape the barnacles off the hole and really put the ship back on course once it goes back into the water? Which um, for me was like, you know, one part like, wow, that's heavy, <laughs> made me think a lot about who I am as a leader. On the other hand, it's really exhilarating <laughs> to think about possibilities and to think about the opportunity to refocus. So fast forward to last like October through December, we're talking like late fall, early winter. Um, for me personally, that was a huge uh, time of seeking the Lord on some things. I would condense it into just three quick things. First of all, um, one was a, a bike ride I took for exercise in the morning in October before it got too cold and wet to be riding my bike out there. I was out there early in the morning riding around the neighborhood. Um, remember the exact street I was on. Have you ever had one of those experiences? Like, you know, you remember something and then you remember the exact place you were. Like, I can tell you today exactly with the ambient light. It was still dark, but the sun was coming up. It was cold. I know what street I was on. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, which by itself wasn't important, but the person who was speaking in the podcast at the time said something about developing a culture of discipling in local churches. And just that phrase, we, we had talked about discipling as, as staff and elders uh, a few years ago, three years ago maybe. Um, it wasn't a new idea, but I felt like, oh my gosh. I mean, it just, I, I had to stop my bike physically and put my feet on the ground and just breathe and like process this thought. I was like, God, I think I trust this is you speaking. I'm like, that's the mission. My heart sings with that. And I think it somehow got moved over onto the side shelf. I don't even know why. And right now, maybe I don't care. 
But that was a big moment for me. So I started thinking about that. Um, I took some time off around uh, Christmas. I got like four different discipling books that, that I had looked at over the years, and I skimmed them all, and I compiled them all, and compared notes, and tried to see if there was anything there. And I really felt the Lord um, clarifying some things for me based on past work we had done. The last thing that happened there was... Um, Amy and I had the opportunity to attend a couple of conferences uh, virtually last year. One of them was the Cross Conference, if you've ever heard of that. Um, if not, it's, it's a global missions conference, but it's really focused on mobilizing churches to do church planting in areas where the gospel is not known, right? So that's kind of the real focus. And um, that was all great, but what I came out of that with was a real burning question of like, man, for the next... Honestly, guys, this is a good question for us all to ask. Um, if I could control it, um, Lord willing, for the next, you know, five years of my life, what do I really want to give myself to? I mean, man, COVID taught me one thing. It taught me you, you don't know that what, what's going to be, right? You, you don't know that all the things you're doing are still going to be there next month or next year. So if, if everything goes away, but you could accomplish this, what would the this be that would make you say, that was five years of my life well spent? I gave myself to that, and it was worth it. Um, and that, to me, was an exhilarating and challenging question. And I came out of all of that really feeling the conviction that God planted churches to make disciples. That was not a new thought. That's the vision. That's my heart. That's what I want to give myself to. So January, February, I came back and was sharing all that with staff and elders, and everybody was agreeing. Uh, one of the four books that I went through was a book called The Vine Project. Uh, it's a follow-up book to another book called The Trellis and the Vine. Some of you may have heard of that. Um, the basic gist of that book, The Trellis and the Vine, is that churches get so busy just doing activities. Good activities, they're fine, but they're not necessarily making disciples but we're having Bible studies and we're doing brunches and, you know, those kinds of things and everybody in the church loves them and so it's really easy for churches to become about the programs or the activities without seeing those activities really generate significant, you know, new conversions or existing Christians making significant steps of growth in their Christian life. And so they had this idea of uh, the, the trellis and the vine is this idea of, you know, vines like rose bush vines or something will grow and that's what you're after, but they need a trellis to support them. And if the trellises are doing their job, they're encouraging the growth of the vines. But who wants to just go build trellises that have bare dirt all around them, right? I mean, the goal is to get vine growth. And so their analogy is that the trellises are like church programs. The vines are when people are actually becoming disciples. And uh, this book that we're going through just kind of walks uh, a church through the process of saying, how do you help develop a culture of discipling in your church? And so we've been on that journey together for, I don't know, since February, I think. It's been probably pushing six months now that uh, our ministry staff team and our elders have gotten together. So there's like 11 or 12 of us at this point that are putting significant time into walking through the kind of steps of this book. And it's really just designed to help us think through what would it look like to build our whole church culture around the, um, the mission of making disciples. And boy, we thought, being in the pandemic where everything is sort of shut down, what a great opportunity, what a great time to ask this question. And, and so at this point, this is where we go a little off script. We're not super scripted. Um, but I guess I wanted to ask the three of you to kind of jump in. I've been talking a lot tonight. And maybe just kind of share your perspective about it. Let's, let's kind of walk briefly through the phases. So there's 
five phases in this process. Um, we just finished phase three, and I've been mentioning them a little bit, but we just want to pull the, the curtains back. Um, so the first phase is all about establishing our convictions. So, Jim, let me maybe ask you to just address that. Um, there are five key questions that they ask us uh, to evaluate. Um, the questions are, why do we make disciples? What is a disciple? There's a good question to ask, right? <laughs> do we all mean the same thing by that word? Um, uh, how are disciples made? Who makes disciples? And where do you make disciples? And they challenge us as as a church to say, do you all think the same things about these things? As you go look at the Bible, what are your convictions? And form some shared convictions. So we went through that in uh, January, or sorry, February, March, kind of April time frame. We don't have the time to maybe walk through every detailed answer to that, but could you maybe just speak into that process, um, what you took away from it, where you think it's, it's gotten us? Sure. Um, as simple as those questions that we were asked to think about may seem, um, why make disciples? Well, I imagine many of us have memorized Matthew 28, 19, and so forth. Um, Go therefore into all the world and make disciples, teaching them all that I have commanded you, said Jesus. Well, that's a command to each of us as individuals, but also to churches. And that's what we're about. And that's what Matt was referring to uh, as, as the directive uh, from the Lord. So why make disciples? Well, there's the answer right there. But what is a disciple? And then how are disciples made? Who makes disciples and where are disciples made? Believe it or not, amongst the um, elders and, and staff, there were some variations in our responses to some of these questions. So it's really important if we think we want to lead the rest of the church uh, in this discipling project, I'll call it, we need to be on the same page. And so it was very important and, and enlightening and um, stretching to, to a degree uh, to answer these questions together with other people who are very serious uh, about uh, what, we're, what we're doing here. And so um, I really enjoyed the process. Yeah, making sure we're all on the same page. Let me quickly ask you guys, of, of the five questions, maybe what's one that stood out to each of you uh, either personally or for us as a church, and why? I'll go first. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be like, pick one. It's okay, Beth. Uh, I, I think one of the ones that kind of surprised me in terms of some of the differences and answers was the question, how are disciples made? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, it might surprise you. It's not like we had arguments or anything, you know, any major disagreements, but uh, we had some really good conversation uh, centered around, yeah, how how are disciples made? And what qualifies as an opportunity for discipleship and what doesn't qualify as an opportunity for discipleship? Um, I even brought up the question, can discipleship happen over a game of air hockey? (laughs) <laughs> because that actually happened with me in the kids wing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with yeah. a little girl one Sunday morning. So yeah, so you're kind oh, of yeah, talking so about that, like, questions. does it always mean I get a curriculum and sit down for 12 weeks and go through it, That's right? right? Some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, yes, that can be discipling, or you can yeah. do that, and it's not discipling. Yeah, can you disciple. can play air hockey and disciple or not. So like, what, yeah. what, is, what is making yeah. disciples? What was the ultimate answer we came up with and, and how, does that, how does that work with air hockey? Yeah, um, <laughs> so our official uh, 
uh, definition that we came up with is uh, disciples are made in prayerful dependence on God's Holy Spirit to bring about life change through an ongoing process of God's people speaking God's word to Christians and to non-Christians. So um, another aspect I think that was surprising is that I think a lot of people in churches um, equate discipleship to evangelism, but that no, um, discipleship doesn't happen when someone becomes a Christian. Discipleship is a lifelong process that happens it from, there, it, it starts when, when you're a baby and it ends when you die. And um, yeah, for both Christians and non-Christians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tie into that one. Um, for me, um, having gone, you know, growing up in the church and, and, and working in the church, when I looked at all of these questions, I, I had the Sunday school answer ready to go. You know, uh, who's supposed to make a disciple? Me. You know, who's a disciple? Me. Um, you know, I, I had all that down. And so I really had to kind of back up and, and actually ask myself that question. And um, you already touched on the one about how, but actually, for me, it actually even began with who is a disciple because I know that, and some of you, I'm hoping, um, will remember with me that back in decades before, it was very focused in on either the non-believer or the new believer. You know, it was uh, it, wonderful organizations grew up in the 80s and 90s that uh, wanted to help ground people in their faith, and they did an amazing job. But for me, for some reason in that process, um, maybe because my brain was wet cement at that time, I don't know, um, I came up with this idea that that was what discipleship was. And going through this book and, and kind of talking through the process, this whole idea of discipleship, just helping someone move a step closer to Jesus is discipleship. So you can do that over air hockey. You can do it over a formal back and forth. It doesn't have to be a mentor and a mentee. You can have two people that, are, that both love Jesus that maybe are even at the same maturity level, and you can still disciple one another. And that was really exciting for me. I really appreciated that. Yeah, that's good. This is just the smallest sampling of like a lot of good conversation we had around how are disciples made and we really recognize from scripture, we think it focuses on when God's word is shared and the spirit of God uses it to change somebody. So if I want to make disciples, it's like I got to find ways to share God's word. That can be a formal Bible study, that can be memorizing scripture together, or that can just be talking about who God reveals himself to be in the Bible over air hockey, right? And if it can help lights go on and the spirit of God uses his word, not necessarily my wisdom and insight, he uses his word, uh, which means we can all do it too. Uh, by the way, we've been recommending that little blue discipling book if, uh, to, to members of our congregation because it's like we want, we want to help you think this through as well. That's a great book to do it. There's a little companion study guide for those of you that love study guides. This one's actually really good. We're going to start carrying this at the Harvest book table. Um, I hope they'll be in this coming Sunday. If not, then by the next Sunday. You can grab this. They're like seven or eight bucks. It is a really cool. Um, it, it sort of goes with the blue book, but you don't have to read the blue book. You can just jump straight into this. I've gone through this with people, and it just gets into these questions. You just get a passage of scripture, and there's just a bunch of really good reflection questions. You can do them ahead of time like homework, or you can get together with somebody over coffee and just like read through it together and say, hey, let's just talk this through together. What are you thinking? What are you learning? What is the Bible telling us here about what it means to be disciples who make disciples? And we want to keep making these kinds of resources available because the more of us are getting our, our heads and our hearts around this, the more I think of a disciple-making church we have the potential to be. 
Um, I'm just looking at the clock. I want to make sure we have enough time. Uh, if you're headed to vertical marriage, you've got about three or four minutes. Um, we'll be here for about another 20 or so. So let me just touch on the second phase quickly, and then I want to land on the third phase again. The second phase is one of the things I loved the most about this Vine Project book. It's one of the reasons we picked it. The second phase says, okay, now that you know what your convictions are as a team about discipling, don't think about the people in your church. Look at yourself. And I thought, that is so good <laughs> and so healthy. Um, rather than turning around and starting to think about all the things you need to change about your programs, stop. Forget about your church programs for a minute. Um, you know, leaders, look at yourselves. And so it takes us through this whole process of saying, how committed are you personally to making disciples? How are you doing that right now? And what new commitments is God leading you to make to invest in making disciples so that when you come out as a team of elders or ministry staff leaders and tell the church, we all need to be making disciples, we're not just telling everybody else what to do, but we're too busy running the church to actually make disciples. It's like, no, that doesn't work, right? We have to be what we're trying to lead people into. And so we spent um, three or four weeks doing a lot of personal evaluation plans. Um, how does God want us to personally um, make new steps of getting to know him better and helping other people getting to know him better. We shared those plans with one another as ministry staff and as elders, uh, and we're continuing to uh, bring those things up uh, and hold each other accountable to those in an encouraging way because we want to be actually doing it. So spend a good amount of time there, um, really healthy and helpful. The third phase, which we just uh, spent three weeks on and then finalized with a half-day um, meeting about a week ago, is where you start to then look at church programs and kind of evaluate them. But evaluation of a church program is always a weird thing. Like, how do you evaluate it? Do I like it or not? Do other people like it or not? Like, how do you, how do you evaluate? And that's where uh, this four-stage grid that I put up on the screen, again, on Sunday morning, I introduced it a few weeks ago in a sermon. Um, you probably can't see it from where you are, but I've got my little, my little picture of it right here, if this kind of jogs your memory a little bit. But it just simply lays out these four basic stages of discipling, moving from an unbeliever to a young believer to a maturing believer to a reproducing believer. Or come and see, follow me, come and die, multiply. And that's language that we're starting to use more and more internally in our staff and our elder meetings. And the reason is this gives us a grid to start thinking about our church programs. And guys, this is so important. We want you to all be thinking this way too. We want to think this way together as a church. How does everything that we are doing as a church help people take a step from wherever they are to wherever their next step of growth would be? Uh, so we were just talking about like, hey, when do we uh, open up the perk again on a Sunday morning? Um, and I'm like, hey, wait, good question. Before we answer that question, let's think about discipling. Why would we open the perk? Everybody's like, are you kidding? This is Portland. We subsist on coffee's its own food group, right? Of course. How do you not have a church without a coffee bar? Um, and that may actually all be true. But, you know, the question is, and I'm just using the perk as an example, but this was a real conversation. It's like, rather than just saying like, hey, we can do the perk again. Let's open the perk. This is a good time to sit back and say, why is the perk there? Uh, think about everything else on a Sunday morning, our ushers and greeters, our welcome center. Is this helping, say, unbelievers figure out who Jesus is? Is it helping new believers get better connected with our church or with God? Um, not everything can function at all four of those levels, but what is everything that we're doing, um, how is everything that we're doing helping people take a step in their spiritual growth? I think there's potential good answers to those questions 
for every church program. But that's kind of where we're at, is how does this ministry help people take a step to the right? And I think what we found, and again, I want to ask, I'm just going to throw this open here briefly and get a perspective from any of the three of you, but uh, one thing I'll say about that is I think the framework was really helpful, but I think we concluded that there's a number of things we're doing as a church in each one of those four areas. There's, there's some programs that are really targeted toward non-church unbelievers, uh, particularly in our children and our student ministries. Uh, there's some programs that help young believers grow. There's some programs that help existing believers become reproducers. But um, what we do in each one of those areas felt kind of haphazard and not really strategically thought through or coordinated. So in other words, um, one of my takeaways from that whole evaluation process was we have an opportunity to be really strategic in how we think about what are we doing as a church to connect with unbelievers and the unchurched? Uh, what are we doing as a church to help new believers get really grounded in their faith? What are, we helping, what are we doing as a church to help growing believers become equipped to actually reproduce as disciple makers? And our goal, my hope, is that at the end of this process, we will have really good answers to all of those questions. And asking the questions that way kind of helps reveal things rather than just, hey, I went to a church years ago that did this, we should do it too. Maybe that's a great idea. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, you know what, in our church, maybe there's no clear way for this to happen. Okay, what would it look like for us? Maybe we need to start something new. Or maybe we need to take a couple of the ministries that we already have and retool them and refocus them just a little bit and suddenly they could become explosive growth engines, right? But the whole point is now we know why we're trying to do what we're trying to do. We're trying to move people from here to here, here to here, or here to here. We always want to be encouraging people to grow um, to the right. So to me, that was helpful to step back and think about how we're doing. Um, Actually, I do have something to say about that. Yeah. Um, because um, part of my thought process, and kind of wanted to let you folks know as well, is, is that there wasn't the time past where I would have probably approached this and maybe asked a couple of people and, and really buckled down in my office and gone for it. And I have been highly convicted that that is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so what I am currently doing about it is not making the plan. What I'm doing about it right now is I'm meeting with uh, women around the church in smaller groups and listening to them and hearing what they think discipleship is, what they think we can do as women of this church to help disciple one another. And that's a really hard shift for me because I have often wanted to make things really nice for people and having to back off of that and say, this is yours. What do we want to do? And if that's something that uh, catches your attention, I want to hear. I've already met with some women um, in smaller groups, and it was great. And I'm meeting with some more this next, this next week and some after that. And I think that that's what's the difference for me in this one is not, okay, so how do we put together a new mentorship program? How do we put together a, you know, another uh, older women teaching younger women program? We've all done that. Um, what I want to see is, is how do we as women at this church love and disciple and push each other to the next step? And I don't have the answers. We do. Yeah. So that's yeah. where I am. I love your heart, and that's Andy. Thank you for being vulnerable and real. Um, yeah. 
we do a lot of that behind the scenes and staff meetings and elder meetings, but it's fun to be able to just do that in front of some of our members too, because I love the, the we language. Um, yeah, this is a we. Sometimes as staff people, we do want to jump in and have the answers because we think we're supposed to, and then that disempowers a lot of our members, and none of us even realized it or thought about it, but I just love, yeah, your approach in that. We want this to be a real conversation. Um, let me, uh, I am looking at the clock here, and I want to leave time for Q&A, so let me say our one last thing, um, and then you can ask some questions, and we can interact with all of us. Um, I mentioned there's five phases. We just finished phase three, so we established our convictions. Are we all on the same page with what we mean and how this works? And we kind of got there. Then there was the personal evaluation for us as, as leaders. Are we leading authentically? Uh, this third thing was to start to look at what we do as a church, well, what we did at a church before the pandemic, <laughs> um, and how it relates to this, this discipling grid. And, and how can our programs not just become programs, um, but how can they become steps? That's the key. How can they become steps that help people move to the right, is, is kind of the language of this book, grow in their faith. Um, great conversation. Now we're sort of just starting this, the fourth phase, which is kind of the one we've all been waiting for. What are we going to do? <laughs> right? What are we going to do different? So we're intending to spend the rest of the summer. Uh, we've got three meetings scheduled for ourselves, but this is a great time for those kind of conversations okay. because... We're spending the rest of the summer looking, uh, first of all, at our Sunday morning experience, uh, certainly including the worship service, but, but everything else too, from hospitality and ushers and greeters, from the time people uh, either drive onto the parking lot or tune into the live stream to the time they drive off or tune out. What is the whole of a Sunday morning at Harvest? How does it help people grow spiritually according to this grid? And what are some things we want to potentially emphasize and strengthen? What are some things that we want to potentially change or do differently? Um, we've had numerous conversations. Uh, myself and Bruce have both led a lot of these one-on-one -on -one and in smaller groups with members of our church, members of the worship team, also people who are not involved in running services but regularly attend our services. Gotten lots of really good feedback and thoughts. Some of that we're already incorporating on Sunday mornings, but we want to do that in a really focused way. Uh, we also sent out some uh, surveys that a few of you probably received. I think they went out to 30 or 40 people um, that we did a couple of years ago called um, NCD, the Natural Church Development Survey, that just gives us some kind of data. Um, they, they run it through an algorithm and give you some scores as a church. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's a helpful reference point. So we've just gotten that information back, and some of that pertains to Sunday mornings as well. Um, we want to have lots of conversations with members of our church to say, how can our church be a place that helps move unbelievers to believers, believers to growing, and growing people to reproducers. Um, so we're going to start looking at that. The next phase as we get into uh, late July and early August is to kind of look at all the other pathways in our church, uh, other ministries from student ministries to men's ministry to small groups and all those kinds of things, and start to kind of lay this grid over them and say, are we missing anything? Uh, is there anything that we can change? Are there some things that maybe their time has come and they just need to go away so that we have resources to free up to go over here? Uh, those are some of the big kind of questions we want to be asking so that as we come out of COVID into the fall, we can hopefully launch ministries where everybody in the church goes, I get why we're doing that. And that's what I want to be a part of. Like, I know why that ministry exists. We're helping people grow uh, in this way and in this area and being much more intentional about it. So that's a process we're just starting now. Great time to be having conversations with everybody who's regularly part of our church to say, what has your experience been? What are you seeing? Uh, what opportunities are there? What would you potentially like to be part of? I don't know if we'll do it all, but let's talk. I mean, let's start to see what the Lord may be stirring amongst our members and how can we equip 
members of our church to do the work of ministry. So that's a process we're just starting right now. Um, that's a, kind of where we're at in the process. Any thoughts about either that phase three evaluation or, or that phase four looking ahead at what we potentially can do differently? Uh, one thought I had is about evangelism. Yeah. Evangelism actually is a part of the discipling process. It's yeah. the first step, you might say. So if you remember back when we were talking about that more and wondering, have we now jettisoned that and we're now thinking about discipling? And yeah, that was early 2020, right before the pandemic, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely not. It's part of discipling. Yeah, um, yeah it's good. Sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Yeah. They're, they are pre-disciples. Right. right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. If you have any questions, uh, we've got about 10 or 15 minutes left, whether you're watching our live stream or you're here in the room, questions or comments about any of this, we'd be delighted to entertain them. We've talked a lot, but we don't want this to just be a one-way street. We want it to be a conversation. So um, while you're formulating those questions, any last kind of reflections or thoughts? Um, I'll just share how, yeah. um, how exciting this process has been, not only to take like a 30,000 foot view of, of ourselves and, and of every part of the church, but then also to get that up close look of, of different parts of the church and um, to be able to hold everything so loosely and say, this isn't about us. This is about God. Yeah. And um, if this is about God, what can we prayerfully do, believing it's with the Lord's leading, to make this church the best that we can be for God? And that's really exciting. Yeah. It's, um, it's super energizing. So I'm just thrilled to be part of the process. Yeah. 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 That's great. So I do have one question on here that I think might actually apply to this. So I, I'm hopefully, Tim, I'm going to ask this in a way that. Uh, follows what you were asking me. And we were talking about how we do discipleship and um, that we have to do what we are preaching about, right? Yeah. Tim asked, he said, can you, ask, can you talk about the interaction between the pastor, staff, and elders? For example, at a church I attended 40 years ago and 600 miles away, each elder had responsibility for a pastor and his or her primary area of ministry or function. So maybe how that works into discipleships, are we okay. doing something like that? The relationship right between our elder team and our ministry staff right. team. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, do you want to start with that? <laughs> well, uh, th this is something we have thought about. We talk about. Um, actually, we have assignments. <laughs> so elders um, are expected to have a uh, a staff person, uh, at least one, with whom we make regular contact and. Um, now that we have this discipling model in mind, uh, that can certainly take on a discipling characteristic as well. So that there is, there's a variety of reasons for that uh, kind of relationship. But um, it's important that staff and elders have, have, a, have a relationship uh, so that each of us knows what's uh, going on with the other. Yeah, so those are one-on-one -on -one connections. Like you're supposed to meet with somebody and, you know, Chad's supposed to meet with somebody or whatever. So those happen one-on-one. -on -one. Hey, let's just grab coffee, have a phone conversation, what have you. Um, I think the other aspect of this um, is the one person currently who's part of both teams, the ministry staff team and the elder team, 
Um, that's been helpful for me as I relate with our elders on a regular basis. I know these guys, we pray together, we shepherd the congregation together, you know, we're meeting for three hours, twice a month, doing a lot of interactions, teaching membership classes and, and emailing in between. And then I interact with the staff team, and it's actually the staff is over here. So this works really, really well. Um, this is not the whole staff, but this is part of the staff representing here. And so, you know, we're, we've got staff meetings every week, and we're, you know, running into each other in the hallways, hopefully not physically, but, you know, I mean, we're just like doing stuff together. And to see the two groups come together in the same room is really cool. So that is one of the benefits, actually, of this program. That's kind of a side thing, but a really important side thing is... Um, I think everybody on the ministry staff team knows all the elders and vice versa, but that doesn't mean you know each other really well. And so for the group to get in the room together and be able to do like loving, honest evaluation together where we're not like poking at one another at all, but we're saying, hey, we're an us and we're responsible, you know, before God as members of this church for this church. So how can, where are we at? What are we doing well? What can we do better? And being willing to hear that from one another, it requires a level of trust. And I think... Um, where existing relationships are in place, the trust is just there because those relationships are good. And where there may not be a deep personal relationship between a particular staff person, for example, and a particular elder, I think that trust is just being advanced, um, which is how trust works, by the way. <laughs> uh, people are often fond of saying trust is earned. That's only partly true. Um, you can unearn trust, but it's hard to earn all the trust you need. Sometimes you just have to give trust as a gift until somebody blows it, right? Um, you can't know everybody personally, but you just choose to trust them because they're a person of character. And I think we're doing that with one another, and the conversations have been really healthy uh, in that regard. So Tim, hopefully that gets it um, at your questions. Uh, <clears throat> maybe there was, let me just maybe quickly address one other aspect of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, when Tim's question mentioned elders having oversight of a staff person and therefore a particular area of ministry, the way we're currently operating is that our elder team, we understand, I understand the elders to, to be the same thing that the Bible calls a pastor, an elder, a pastor. That's, the Bible doesn't use any difference between those terms. So our elders as a team really focus on shepherding the church at a high level. So we spend a lot of time in prayer. Uh, we spend a lot of time connecting with uh, either new members or... Um, uh, members who are in a particular uh, crisis or just a real heavy time making sure that the church is caring for them well. We just do a lot of member care, a lot of spiritual mentoring and discipling, a lot of prayer, and then a lot of high-level leadership for the church. So, you know, we'll certainly keep an eye on the budget. Um, you know, we will, when there's larger... Um, uh, issues that come up in terms of who we are as a church and where we're going, the elders will engage in those conversations. Uh, but the elders don't get too much involved in helping staff people like run their areas of ministry. Um, staff people are functioning, um, with some exceptions, more of what I think the Bible would call a deacon. They're overseeing areas of ministry. They're making ministry happen. They're organizing teams. They're getting stuff done so that the ministry of the church can actually happen. And that's in a, at a real high level kind of how the division of labor works here. So the connections Jim was talking about earlier are more personal connections. They're not like, hey, Beth, tell me what's going on in the children's ministry. Let me help you strategize. You know, it's more like, hey, Beth, I'm an elder connecting with you. So how are you doing? How can I pray for you? How's your family? How can I encourage you? Um, just a lot more personal shepherding and relationship building. Yeah, great. Good. Great question, Tim. Thank you. Anything else from any of the discipling vision? the Vine project, the process we're in. Questions, comments? We're open season for another 10 minutes here, if we need it.
So I'm going to ask another question of our group here. Uh, <clears throat> this is fun because this wasn't scripted, so I'll just see what you guys say. Fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I think I want to ask about um, maybe back to this conviction of um, who makes disciples. So I'm, I'm kind of going back to these sort of five core convictions that we talked about. And Beth, you touched on it briefly in something you said uh, earlier, but uh, one of the questions we spend a lot of time on is, okay, who makes disciples? We talked about what a disciple is, somebody who's following, learning Christ, becoming more like Christ, how disciples are made, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, great. So who makes disciples? And we had some uh, I don't know, disagreements, but I would definitely say lively conversation around that. Um, and all definitely came to a point of agreement, but what is, what is your response to that, just personally, as you think back on the conversation and kind of what you, you hope to see happen at Harvest, uh, maybe how that relates to your role as either a staff person or an elder, however you want to take that question. When you look back on the conversation about who makes disciples, um, what do you take away from that? We all agreed it'd be you. You all agreed it would be me. <laughs> I, I interpreted that as a sarcastic comment when it was made, so uh, hopefully that's not the actual answer. <laughs> that's what we pay you for. Go make disciples. Yes. We are not going to get very far as a church if that's the answer. <laughs> How's that working out for us? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, you gave the Sunday school answer, which is the answer. Would you mind repeating? Me. Every one of us. Yeah, and um, that, that's another kind of new step because um, I think for some of us it feels more comfortable to say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism and I don't know any new believers, so I'm off, but I know God will provide, so I'm off the hook. Um, and that really isn't the case. It actually is for each one of us because it's not about necessarily for each of us that foundational or, or first contact. It's about, once again, moving each other closer to Christ. So yeah, it's all of us. If you're married, you've got a spouse, and you may have children, both of whom are, or all of whom, are potential disciples. Yeah, absolutely. You can do a Bible study with your spouse, for instance. Mm -hmm. You can pray with them, for instance. All of those are discipling uh, activities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love the fact you mentioned parents and children, too, kind of running with one of the themes of the evening. Um, we're talking a lot about student ministry tonight, but this applies just as well to our ministry to children, from birth all the way through sixth grade. Boy, yeah, when you're, especially if you're a parent, um, or if you just have a significant responsibility for or influence in the life of a young person, maybe you're a grandparent who's really actively involved in the lives of your grandkids or whatever, boy, you talk about prime discipling opportunities. I mean, we all know the stuff of parenting, right? You've got to feed them and clothe them and um, hope they remember and appreciate you for all the money you spent doing that someday, you know? And um, you, you think about their education and their health care, of course, and then, you know, you're doing discipline. I mean, there's just so many things we do as parents, and we should do all of those things. But, boy, what an opportunity to help these young people. And I think parents, like most of the parents in our church, I think, already get this, but... I mean, yeah, this, this idea of spiritual mentoring. I mean, how do I help you understand who God is, son or daughter, and, and, and who God made you to be, and how can I share the truth of Scripture with you, especially as they get older and their world starts to open up more and get a little more complicated, um, and some of the 
Sunday school answers they may have learned in church <laughs> are like, well, okay, that's not necessarily wrong, but whoa, um, life is complicated now. How do I live out a faith in Jesus, you know, in this particular situation that I've never encountered before? And they're coming to mom and dad, Lord willing, for some answers. Um, it's really helpful to think about all that as discipling. How can we share the truths of Scripture with our kids and help them wrestle through what that means? And as parents, what do I do? And we run to other parents and we help one another. Um, we share with one another. Um, that's all discipling. Really, really good stuff. And yeah. then in addition to that, how do we uh, foster a culture where the children themselves are uh, making disciples? Uh, I will never forget the Sunday morning here where a little third grade girl who had just become a Christian the week before, the very next Sunday, she marched up to me and told me that she was at a friend's house and asked her friend if she loved Jesus. And that friend uh, said, who is Jesus? And so uh, she got to, in a very third grade appropriate way, tell her little friend who Jesus was. Uh, and that little girl just kept asking question after question. And these are two third graders that are talking. So, um, you know, not discounting the children also. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. Uh, anything else on that? Uh, who makes disciples? So if I were uh, to say, okay, that sounds fine. I hear what you're saying. In theory, we're all supposed to make disciples. Maybe I've read Ephesians chapter 4. I get it when the Bible says that, you know... Um, Elders and church leaders are to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, which is building up the body of Christ. So all of us as saints are supposed to be building one another up in the faith. Okay, I get it, but um, I'm just terrified to talk to people. I, I don't. I'm not a teacher. Um, I'm not. I don't think I know a ton about the Bible. Um, it's just not. That's not for me, right? I mean, somebody else who's much better skilled at this should probably be doing it. Um, there's lots of different ways to respond. How would you how would you respond? Um, while I think that we could be Christians our whole lives and have that fear or have that thought in the back of our head, um, I think for me the thing that pushes me forward is um, recognizing that it's not about me, that it's me partnering with the Holy Spirit. And um, having my relationship with God strong enough so that I can recognize his promptings and see where he might be leading. Um, and then having the courage to just go for it and talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes there's a little bit of a leap factor there, right? <laughs> we just trust God, but that's terrifying. It's not comfortable. Uh, at the same time, if discipling people is about simply sharing God's words with them and trusting the Holy Spirit to do something with it, that's not quite so scary, you know. Um, one of the answers to my own question that, that is in my mind is I think sometimes I, and many others I think too, can make the process of discipling somebody a lot more complicated than it really is, um, or than it really needs to be. Um, it's not like there's a, gift, a spiritual gift of discipling. Like, that's not in the Bible. That's just something that, that God has called all of us to do, not just a select few. So that means, like, hey, whatever you've learned about Jesus, your third grader example is great, you can share with somebody else and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to use that. Um, so, so much of discipling is just about, like, hey, I heard you talking about such and such. You know, I kind of had an experience like, they want to get together for coffee and let's, like, let's talk about it. You know, let's just share life together. Let me show you what God is teaching me. What is He teaching you? Um, and let's just talk about God's word together and help one another grow. Um, God does amazing stuff with that, uh, and everybody can do it. 
Um, we all do it different ways, but everybody can do it. Yeah, if nothing else, simply this discussion, this conversation within the church, hopefully will put this process at the top of mind. Uh, and so taking those very simple, organic kinds of steps uh, with one another, reading a book together, just talking about your experience at church or a sermon or a book or a Bible pass or just questions about God uh, that you might share with somebody. Uh, not that you're the authority, maybe you're the one with the questions. Um, all, all is um, grist for this mill um, and, and qualifies. Yeah. And God's heart is that all of us make disciples. Um, I'm seeing our time is gone, and so I think I'm going to wrap this up at this point. Did we have any last-minute questions come in there? Okay, good. I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, But this is maybe wrapping up tonight's meeting. This is by no means the end of the conversation. We hope this is just more fuel to continue the conversation. So thank you for being here. Thank you guys for watching live. Thank you if you're watching this uh, a couple of days from now just to stay part of the conversation. Let me maybe wrap it up with a couple thoughts. First of all, again, this little book, um, Growing One Another, Discipling in the Local Church, just a great thing. Pick it up. You can do it yourself as a study. Better yet, go out to coffee with somebody. Just talk through it together. This is not like heavy theology, Bible study stuff. This is like anybody who can read can go through this with somebody else. And it just it facilitates talking about discipling from the Bible. It can really help us. I would encourage that along with everything else out of the Harvest Book Table. We got like 10 or 11 books out there on Sunday mornings and we've deliberately tried to keep that number contained because there's a million good Christian books out there. But we're really trying to be strategic about presenting a good information that's scripturally grounded, that touches on a variety of life experiences. That, that's good stuff for us to say like, hey, I want to read this Maybe I want to read it with somebody else. Just invite them into the process. So we're trying to put tools in everybody's hands uh, to get better and better at this. And last thing I think I'll say is as um, our staff and our elders continue through this kind of formal evaluation process and trying to make some plans, uh, I'm really encouraged to hear about the conversations you've been having with so many parents, you've been having with so many women of all ages in the church, uh, you and I have been having with numbers of people. Uh, We want to just continue to stay in conversation. God may have something in mind for us as a church that one or more of our members will potentially see before anybody in official leadership position sees. Um, Let's just compare notes with one another as we continue to think about our Sunday morning experience, our other ministries, any ministries you're currently involved in. uh, Maybe you're already starting to think about, hey, boy, we could do more of this to help people grow from this stage to this stage. Or maybe there's a ministry you're like, I think I want to go get involved in something different than what I've done in the past. Um, This is a great time this summer to be having all those conversations. So uh, we would love to engage with you on that. I mean, you can, if you want to write an email and just shoot it to any of us on the ministry staff team, our emails are all uh, on the internet. We'd be happy to take those in and just say, hey, here's some input. Um, If you're more comfortable talking live, connect with us. We're doing lots of coffee appointments and breakfast appointments now. That's great. Uh, Informal conversations. Whatever's the most comfortable for you. I usually don't throw this one out because nobody likes to use it, but it's there. So I'll say you can also do the impersonal email to info at harvestcc.org. Uh, that is a live email address, and our office staff monitors it. So if you're like, hey, here's a thought, here's a conversation I'd love to have with somebody, um, you could just email that address, and Gretchen will get it in the office and get it to the right person. We're really collecting input and conversation uh, with all of the members of our church, and we want you guys to be a part of it. So more to come. Um, Let's continue to just move forward together. Uh, Can I ask you to maybe wrap us up with prayer and then we'll be done for the night. Heavenly Father, you have called each one of us to be disciples. 
And so we ask now that uh, you take our intentions as leaders and members of this church uh, to do just that, to grow in our understanding of what a disciple is to be and to empower us by your Holy Spirit uh, in that endeavor to share Jesus with a hurting world and to help each one of us uh, as members here to, do, uh, uh, to grow in our ability and our, um, and our motivation uh, to do that and that your spirit will go before and uh, touch the hearts of many unbelievers around us in the community uh, as pre-disciples that we might share the gospel with them. We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. More to come. Have a great Monday evening.